You can totally do this. You have to pause and ask yourself, what is the story I'm telling myself here? And more importantly, is that story true? We don't want the thing. We think we want the thing, but what we really want is the feeling we think the thing is gonna give us. It is that simple. It is that complicated. It is so much easier than you think it's gonna be. Clarity in what you want, confidence in who you are, and the courage to stay true to both. This is To Call Myself Beloved, the podcast with Lise Wilcox. I'm so happy you're here. (laughs) Okay. Oh, hello, beautiful. And welcome back to To Call Myself Beloved, the podcast with Lise Wilcox. Here's a question. Is Instagram ruining our lives? It's a question I have answered many, many times over the last few weeks. Is Instagram ruining our lives? Before we dig into this very important and very powerful conversation, during which you'll come away with an excellent opportunity for self-reflection, can we just pause here and ask how you're doing? (laughs) Like really doing? Man, there is so much to process right now, right? Individually, collectively, in all the ways, there is so much to process. Grief is a complicated and complex emotion. And it's usually linked arm in arm with anger, resentment, anxiety, fear, fear, and more fear. If you loved playing Red Rover at recess as much as I did as a kid in the 80s, before it got banned in the 90s, you can imagine grief is like a chain of kids playing Red Rover linked arm to arm with all those icky, intense, and generally uncomfortable emotions. And your emotional well-being is the kid on the opposite team charging at this chain, trying to get through and getting blocked over and over again until finally you find a weakness, which we would not actually call a weakness in the chain, but it would be called healing, which is incredibly strong and powerful. But you find that one sweet spot where you break through the chain and actually get, or how do the Rolling Stones say it, push on through to the other side. There is a shit ton to process right now. And if you are feeling that grief, again, at a personal or as a family or at a collective level, if you're feeling that grief and you're feeling spent, I would encourage you, cough, shove you towards prioritizing your own self-care. It is more important than ever right now to not only make sure you have your beautiful fabric mask on, but your own air mask. You got to put your own air mask on right now and really care for yourself. If that makes you uncomfortable or queasy, you know, the idea of having the audacity to get your needs met, quote unquote, in a time like this, we should chat. Head over to leasewilcox.com and check out my new site. It's so beautiful in my humble opinion. Uh, It's beautiful. It's really easy to read and it's just packed with information. Um, Information on coaching with me as well as information and registration, which is now open for my two new online and self-study courses. Uh, I have one called Like You Own the Place, which is a, a really beautiful, high-impact little course on confidence and cultivating confidence, Um, and a six-week course plus two bonus weeks in self-love, and it's called First Love Yourself, and it is like 
wow impact. If you are uh, looking for something to really have a, a, a super, I can't even articulate it. If you're looking for something that's very high impact on your life that you get to do at your own pace in your own way um, for very minimal investment, you got to go to lisablecox.com because both of these courses you can do for less than 250 bucks and they're like, they're life changers. I, I pinky swear that to be true. So head over there. You can even get your own free copy of my ebook called A Beginner's Guide to Self-Love. The, the story behind that ebook is that, you know, when I was kind of at the very beginning of my own waking up process, I kept reading everywhere. I kept reading about self-love this, self-love that. You got to love yourself. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. But how, like, how do I actually do that? Like nobody's actually talking about how to love yourself. We're just memeing it all the time. And, um, as is my tendency when something doesn't exist that I really need, I create it. So I created this free ebook on specifically how to start loving yourself. And as I said, it's free, it's easy to read and it's more high impact for you. So go on over and help yourself to a free copy of my beginner's guide to self-love. Um, all that as I get set to publish my other book in print, not an ebook, but, um, my first book to call myself beloved, a story of hope, healing, and coming home. Uh, I'm working with my team on the audio version and the print version as we speak. And I'm very excited to share that with you. Summer 2020. Okay. Back to the main attraction here. Is Instagram ruining our lives? Where's this coming from, you might be asking? Well, that's a great question. I have had, shall we say, a lot of time for self-reflection in the last few months. And as that time has been made available to me and that space has been created for me, it's invited me to look more closely at how I spend my time and why I spend my time in that way, and how it makes me feel afterwards. During COVID, particularly during the earliest days, I knew it would be critical for my own mental and emotional health, for my ability to lead my family, and for my ability to lead my clients and my community, much of which is Instagram-based, for me to find a way of making COVID my own. And and I'm not, there's no hyperbole there. I knew it would be critical for me to find a way to make this purposeful so that I could turn it into something uniquely my own. Now, as you likely already know, I am pretty passionate about the concept of emotional alchemy. The term I use to refer to the process of taking something dark, uncomfortable, and unwanted, and consciously transforming it into something beautiful, golden, and uniquely your own. It worked for me during divorce. It worked for me during cancer and has proven once again to be a highly valuable tool during an unprecedented time of change in our lives through a global pandemic. I'm even doing my first TEDx on exactly this, uh, which I will share the link as soon as I have it because I'm also, it's a virtual TEDx and it's <laughs> so exciting too. So that's like a great example or illustration of emotional alchemy. Um, I will remember this time as the time I did my first TEDx, right? My kids even are getting involved. We, uh, we were invited to be a part of an influencer campaign with the kids world record book. And, um, 
I haven't had confirmation yet, but we certainly submitted their video and two of their uh, potential record breakers, which <laughs> was, oh, how did we phrase it? Um, the kids world record for the fastest female cardboard box relay race, I think is what we did. Basically, basically, you know, summer came, the days got longer. I freaked out because nobody could sleep. And I ordered all these blackout curtains. Blackout curtains arrived. We had this epic giant box. The kids took it immediately to our backyard. One thing led to another. Suddenly we were rolling kids around and it became, as I said, like a very possible and I think likely contender to break the kids world record for the fastest female cardboard box relay team. So even my kids are totally getting in on this concept of, hey, when the world goes to shit, find something that is totally amazing for you so that you have that to make uniquely your own and have, you know, this real really happy and positive memory come out of it. So that's emotional alchemy. I have a whole podcast episode. If you haven't heard that yet, I talk about it almost all the time. So it's like even the name of my signature coaching program, like six months with me is called emotional alchemy. And I promise that's what it feels like. But um, there are lots of resources for you in my own uh, channels for you to get more information on that. Anyway, so when COVID hit, knowing I would have to find something wonderful uh, or throughout the process, I chose to double down on my business and to use this as an opportunity to genuinely invest in my business and in my professional self and in turn really invest in my family and our future and ultimately a trip to Disneyland when that time is right. But when I say double down on my business, like I am, I'm not kidding around here, folks. I am talking business coach, virtual assistant, PR team, like public relations team, a Pinterest administrator, a new lawyer, a new website, a new web designer, a copywriter, which was a hard one for me because I love writing, but I like hired somebody to write the copy and holy shit, was it ever worth it? new course creation, a new Instagram TV series called You Can't Unhear This that I post every Tuesday at Lise Wilcox, strategic brand partnerships. I doubled the hell down. I knew instinctively that I would need something amazing to come from this, something that was so otherwise, oh, how should we say it? Not amazing. Something that could become meaningful in the overall time timeline of my life. And not only something to look back on as something that like, you know, this Phoenix rising into the ashes kind of model, but something that would also hold my attention captive and anchor me into one particular focus. I know myself pretty well. And while I am a mindset expert, I also know that my own mindset needs to keep itself busy so that I don't start spiraling out into what ifs. So I really chose my business as the focal point of what I was going to, as I say, anchor myself uh, in a consistent way to kind of weather this storm. So as I really dove into my business in the back end of my business in a way I never have before, I mean, I've all obviously always, uh, dove, dived, 
divin. <laughs> I've always treated the front end, like all my client facing stuff with utmost respect and professionalism, but it's the, it's been the back end that for me has been struggling. I've never taken it, I think as seriously as I, as I can. Uh, and I decided that, you know, this moment or that moment in March was going to be the time that I really stepped the hell up and kind of did it to impress myself. So as I did this and I really dove into the back end of my business in a way I never have before, it hit me one day. It felt like I was running a startup or like a brand new business that I was building from the ground up, even though I've been running this business for what, three years? So juxtapose that awareness or that feeling against my recent obsession with The Last Dance, the story of Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls in the golden years, and suddenly the deeper meaning of the process of success kind of slapped me in the face. Suddenly I appreciated in a brand new way that there is nothing, and I mean literally nothing, overnight about this process. And I got to tell you, I observe, I'm a keen observer of the human experience. And I watch other coaches carefully. I watch what they're telling you. (laughs) I watch what they are not telling you. And I watch them share an actual microcosm of what success looks and feels like on Instagram. And it hit me. Instagram is ruining our lives. It's creating a very false sense of what is possible. And by no means is it showing the full spectrum of what success really looks and feels like. You know, this is probably not a shock to you and nor was it a shock to me, but it it was such a powerful realization in the moment that I was like, oh my God, everyone is lying and not everybody, but you know, 90% of people are lying. I'm sitting there watching this and I'm watching the messaging. And again, I'm watching what people say that, you know, five easy steps to success. I'm watching what they don't say that each of those five steps has like 15 other steps associated with it. So now we're talking about, oh man, what's five times 15? A lot more than five quote unquote, easy steps to build your own success, right? Success is a long game. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes patience. It takes fucking failure over and over again. Like it takes time. But by only ever showing 10% of what success looks like and by us being willful participants and by choosing to believe that that 10% is all it takes, we are decimating our emotional health. You know, this harkens back to the iceberg theory. You only see 10% of the iceberg, that part, which is above the surface, and the rest is totally hidden out of sight until the Titanic hits it and everyone dies. That is my overly dramatic analogy for what Instagram is doing to our emotional health. If you're not a meticulously conscious consumer, or if you're not In this case, a meticulous captain, conscious of where you're going. So I was already in the headspace uh, of gearing up to do this podcast, specifically with respect to success. And kaboom, Black Lives Matter and the movement and the protests and the conversation 
it came to the surface. That's like, that's a very weak way of saying that. But all of a sudden, Black Lives Matter was here in a way we did not fully get or we did not fully appreciate before. It came to the forefront of our collective conversation which is such a good thing. Like this is such an overdue conversation. This is such a welcome conversation. It starts to dismantle unhealthy, outdated, largely toxic systems, dismantle that and start to talk about what that looks like to rebuild it in a new way, right? Um, But the social media shit show that followed in the week and a half, let's say, after Black Lives Matter really kind of came up, made me actually speechless, which doesn't happen very often, let me tell you. I watched and I even experienced as, you know, I got tagged in a post by somebody I don't know to participate in a movement started by two people I have never heard of before to, in the face of having one of the most, arguably the most epic conversations of our generation, of our generation, to instead shut the hell up and mute our voices. And I do not get me wrong. I understand algorithmically why that was to silence a bunch of people, white people in particular, invariably who were going to make the experience very much about themselves and how they felt about it and tone that down so that far more black content creators could basically beat the system of the algorithm and start having more of a presence online. I totally, totally understand the intention behind that. But then we got the whole black squares phenomenon. And again, somebody, do you know who started the black squares? No, nobody does. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong on that, but very few of us do. We all just did it because we kind of got peer pressured into it. And I watched like as Instagram became this sea of black squares and what, 90 minutes later, this sea of protests of the black squares being like, what the hell are you doing? Stop hashtagging um, Black Lives Matter. You're absolutely killing the movement. We are using this hashtag to coordinate global efforts to coordinate peaceful protests. Like, stop using it. Delete the squares. What are you doing? It was just, it was chaos. It was chaos that fits inside your pocket. And like, we couldn't stop watching, right? We were met after those two phenomena, phenomena, we were met with like more uninformed people vowing to eradicate racism overnight simply by vowing to do better, you know, and again, again, this is not a diss. This is not a judgment. This is like statement of fact that when a whole bunch of people come to the table and be like, I have work to do, I'm going to do better. Okay, cool. That makes you feel better about yourself, but it doesn't necessarily do anything for the collective. Yes. I'm sure it demonstrates allyship to a certain degree. I mean, who am I to even speak on this, right? Like this is just such a personal, uh, stance that I'm taking here, you know, very, very well thought out from my own, business, my own brand and my own standpoint, but honest to God, like the conversations that happened in the next, again, week and a half were, were outrageous. So all of a sudden we have like inaction, inaction, or all the wrong kinds of action. And then, and then man, then all of these false idols that we have propped up 
because of their online or because of their Instagram presence. For example, a certain photographer who shall remain nameless, a photographer turned property owner, turned mother, turned body positive advocate, turned online business guru. And note that none of these things has anything to do with thought leadership. It's just a series of probably great strategic business moves. I don't know, but nothing has to do with leadership. We watched her get absolutely destroyed publicly for the way she handled a chain of communication via email, via um, Instagram posts, et cetera, just get destroyed for her stance and criticized. And she donated money and it wasn't enough money or she donated to the wrong. I tuned out of the conversation because I, I couldn't quite believe what was happening around us. You know, like people who have no idea what they're talking about, getting vilified for not knowing what they're talking about and watching the public uh, support level just tank. You know, again, this is not a statement on who's right, who's wrong. It's just an observation of human behavior of really giving our power away to people that don't know what they're talking about and, you know, taking everything they have to say at face value and propping them up on a a very, very tenuous pedestal and then being surprised as that pedestal starts to fall down. I got to tell you, part of me wonders, like, is me having this conversation or is me doing this podcast with particularly with respect to, um, to this subject, is this pot cuddling the kettle black? I don't know. Maybe it is. I can tell you very honestly that while I may be a stranger on the internet to many people listening, I do go to great lengths to plan my content accordingly. Anything that I'm sharing, I'm sharing with deep intention. And uh, I'm going to say strategy, but I don't mean like a calculated strategy. I mean like a very tight evaluation on does this serve the people I am intending to serve and does it feel good? And if it meets both of those pretty big criteria, it goes up. And if not, I keep it to myself. Unless it's like a John Krasinski, Ben Affleck or taco meme, then I'm pretty cool with sharing it because I love all three of those things equally. But yes, as I was saying, I go to great lengths to plan my content accordingly, to craft my messaging, to constantly reevaluate my offerings to my clients based on actual real life results and feedback I see from those clients. It's relentless. It's like a never ending process. I take this part of my business so seriously and I'm fastidious about it. It's like a constant, I love that expression that it's true of humans and I think it's true of the entrepreneurial experience that it's both a work in progress and a work of art. It's constant reflected, uh, reflection, constant evaluation, constant strive to how do I do better? How do I serve more effectively? How do I maintain a blend in my life? How do I stay a very present focused mother while building up an empire and a legacy for my kids, right? And why do I do that? Because I give a shit about making an income while making an impact, a huge impact. One of the highest compliments I can receive, and to toot my own horn a little bit here, I actually get this compliment a lot, uh, and that is that I am the same in person as I am online. That is huge. Like I value that 
so much. One of my core values is really being seen and appreciated and valued for who I am. So to have people be like, oh shit, she's the real deal. Like she's not blowing smoke. She is who she is across platforms, including, you know, in your living room. That means a lot to me, like a lot to me. People who hear me speak and meet me on site consistently say that to me. Now, granted, after what, like four months of being in isolation, um, warning that my social skills are a little lackluster right now. And like, I have no doubt that as we start to return to some kind of not normalcy, but like the new normal, I I know it's going to get awkward because I'm already, (laughs) I'm already an introvert. Uh, COVID has made me even more of a homebody. And I think that my social skills are like, they're going to need some practice, (laughs) but I digress. This authenticity, and I don't mean like the trademarked authenticity, but a genuine authenticity, I think this makes me an anomaly. I don't think I'm the only one who shows up like that. I I know for a fact I'm not the only one who shows up like that, but I, I think that there are fewer of us who show up in this very, very authentic way compared to the many, many, many people who do not show up as their authentic self, but rather as their fake self wearing mask after mask after mask. By showing up with intention and integrity, I really do believe this makes me and, you know, the other people that I am, God, so fortunate to have in my circle, I believe that makes us an anomaly. And I am so transparent about that, On um, transparent about that. Uh, and I'm also transparent about the fact that social media and in particular the self-help industry, it's all buyer beware. So I can tell you, I always show up to the very best of my ability in a very genuine and authentic, and again, not authentic TM, but actually authentic. Uh, I do my best to just show up in that way. And I offer the best of what I have to offer. Do I make mistakes? Oh, I'm, I'm positive I make mistakes. I'm positive about it. I'm transparent about that too, because that's part of the human experience. And ultimately we're all learning as we go. I'm not exempt from that. You know, I have a medium sized Instagram following. It doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect or flawless. I'm probably going to make mistakes. I'm probably going to do it again, right? Failure is a part of success because you have to learn from your mistakes. So I'm not coming off as like untarnished here, unblemished here. I know I make mistakes and I'm pretty transparent about those too. And I think that is a part of my integrity and my intention to constantly show up as a very genuine self. So because of my integrity and my refusal to blow smoke, I really think that I've had a longer, more like slow burn pace of success. But that that pace, that slow pace in and of itself is also part of the bigger picture of this conversation because success is a long game. Anyone who tells you otherwise is lying. Anyone who tells you they are self-made is lying. Anyone who tells you they're an overnight success is lying. Anyone who tells you they have five easy steps to make X happen is lying. Anybody who tells you they can teach you how to build a six-figure business in a four-hour work week is lying. So here's what each of those things really looks like. Because I guess if you take it from a PR spin perspective, yeah, they're kind of true, but it's not like the whole truth. And we are in this for the whole truth and nothing but the truth, right? So anybody who's saying they're self-made is lying. And here's why. 
Nobody is self-made for every self-made person, even if they've come up from like the gutter, even if we are talking about rising up and up and up and up, there is still a team of people around them who has enabled that success in some way. And the very meta mindset way of looking at this is even if some person has provided like, man, some kind of emotional wound, they've still incidentally and maybe like frustratingly contributed to that success because I almost guarantee that that was a catalyst for someone to rise up above it. So even if you look at it that way, like nobody is self-made, you know, people who, who say that they're self-made millionaires, no, because somebody was helping raise their kids or somebody was helping them cook or somebody was helping manage their finances or somebody financed the mortgage and allowed them to take a break from a full-time job so they could invest all this time and energy in building their own business. I promise you, nobody is self-made. There is always at least, at least one other person and usually a team of people behind them playing even a peripheral role in that success. The person who tells you they are an overnight success is, wow, like, bold face lying. One of my favorite, one of my favorite examples of this is, uh, athletes talk about it all the time, you know, like, oh yeah, I was an overnight success after 12 years and five months of becoming an, of, of being a nobody, right? Becoming an overnight success means you have put, I would actually argue literal blood, sweat, and wow, a lot of tears into your discipline and your commitment and your tenacity and your desire to opt out and your desire to opt into only the things that serve you and all the loss that goes with it and this lonely climb to the top, it's not overnight. It takes years of relentless effort and tenacity to get to where you're going. Anyone who tells you they can teach you how to do something in five easy steps is lying unless they're talking about like how to brush your teeth in five easy steps because sorry, not sorry. Um, in my book coming out this summer, I have a chapter, I think it's a chapter, it might be a section, uh, on emotional alchemy. And, you know, I have a Dutch background. I am a Taurus and that makes me very, very practical. I love things that are practical, uh, practical, grounded, very hands-on and things that are overly contextual make a lot of sense. So, you know, for as much as I talk about emotional alchemy and this like kind of flowy process of it, I'm very well aware that people like to be able to quantify things, right? So in the book, I've broken down the process of emotional alchemy into, wait for it, 10 easy steps, except each of those steps, like I'm very forthcoming. None of them is easy. None of them is easy. And it's as easy as I can make it to say like, you know, one of the steps is gratitude. Well, shift it. You can't just have gratitude. They call gratitude a practice for a reason because it takes practice every single day of your life and usually most moments throughout each of those days to shift into a state of appreciation. Another one of the steps is forgiveness. Easy. Like, oh, no problem. Let me just forgive all the people who wronged me and caused me great emotional pain along the way. Forgiveness is not only like not an easy step. Sometimes forgiveness can take years. Forget, you know, days, weeks, months. Sometimes it takes years to be able to actually forgive somebody who really hurt you, right? So when we're talking about five easy steps, we're talking about marketing. And and I, I see this 
all the time, particularly from coaches, and it really rubs me the wrong way. Um, same thing is true of people who promise, and this is like my favorite, how I built a six-figure income in a four-hour work week. It's like, yeah, that actually is possible. It's totally possible. Uh, however, what that person is not telling you or showing you is the years of work it took to get to that point, to hire the right team who takes over the reins, to build up the right content, to set up a passive income funnel, to do all the things so that, yeah, now you only have four coaching calls a week, or now you only have like, you only work four hours a week because the rest is like already established as passive income because of a video series you've created on YouTube or because of courses or like, or whatever. They don't talk to you about what it was like to work with a lawyer to become incorporated and what it looks like to talk to your accountant about how to structure your finances. Like they don't tell you about that. They only talk to you about the end result and that's not fair. That is not fair. You know, to give you an example, um, again, circling back to the book, it's so top of mind for me. Like it's such a big deal. It took me so much mental, <laughs> so much mental work, uh, to overcome all kinds of blocks and limiting beliefs. And it took years, like actual years for me to work through that shit so that I could even get to the point where I thought I could write a book. And then I still had more work to do. So I have this like mental picture of me posting, um, how I, you know, how I like successfully launched a best-selling book in two easy steps <laughs> because, you know, I launched my book for pre-sale and I sold more than 200 copies. Like it, it blew me away. And in, in nine days with no paid advertising, I sold more than 200 copies. That number is significant because the average published book only sells 200 copies in its lifetime. So like we're kind of blowing averages out of the water here, Right. So in my head, I have this like cool graphic plan of like how I had, how I launched my, I don't know, super successful book launch without any paid advertising. And then it would be like a carousel image on Instagram. So then you see have that like flashy graphic on slide one. And then you swipe to the next one and it's just three words, like relentless fucking work, you know, talking about how it's taken me, what, five years, five years to build the audience I have on Instagram. And even then it's only 22,000 people. We're not talking like millions of people here, but how it's taken like years to cultivate community, years of therapy, years of coaching through like a variety of coaches and other healing modalities, thousands of dollars spent on books and other information and, you know, other self-care healing modalities, et cetera, so that I could get to a place where I could overcome all the limiting beliefs of my past and get to a place where, again, where I could even write this book. You don't see that because success is a long game. You see the end result of like, holy shit, look what I just did with this book. Yeah, the unsexy reality of that is that it took probably like 35 years to, to accomplish that, right? There is nothing overnight about this process. Nothing. Instagram has become so buyer beware because if you're not intentional about who you are consciously engaging with, the messaging you get there will literally destroy your emotional health, like just destroy it. And my friend, we don't want that because we need you and we need you now. We need you more than ever. We need you to have permission from yourself 
to show up fully and lovingly as you are and to use your unique and divinely orchestrated gifts to have the impact and ripple effect of that impact on the world around you in turn so that we can make these systemic changes so that we can actually move the dial forward and that we can actually see the change in the world that we really want to embody for ourselves and for future generations. So don't let Instagram ruin your life. Figure out a way of consciously engaging or turning it off once in a while and really come home to yourself. And when you're ready to come home to yourself or you're ready to become that vision of yourself you can't stop dreaming about, call me. And I don't just mean scrolling endlessly for inspiration about the person you are dreaming of becoming. I mean like taking legit inspired action to becoming that person, not talking about it, not just pinning it to your vision board, but actually fucking acting on it then you call me or rather you book a call with me and obviously over Instagram (laughs) or you can email me at lease at gmail.com or, you know, head over to my glossy new website, leasewilcox.com book a free coaching consult with me and we can chat about how I can support you in finding or uncovering and granting that permission you need to come home to yourself so you can start being the actual change, not the 10% change we see on Instagram, but the actual change and the legit, real deal, juicy success that you want to see in this world. By all means, learn from the past, prepare for your future, but ultimately you have to live in the now. It's fascinating when you just focus on, you know, imagining what the highest version of yourself would do, and then you start to act as if you already are that person, you can watch it transform your behavior right now.